Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jacked podcast. My name is Dustin. I will be your host. And today on the Friday show, we're talking all about the Eternals. The Eternals debuts today. At least it has its American release today. Now, if you are new to the podcast, if you're new to the show, be sure to follow, subscribe, leave a like, leave a heart review at the, well, leave a review at the end. Don't leave it at the beginning because if you leave the review now, it will only be uh, you know, this introduction, or I mean that introduction, I mean that introduction, I mean that introduction. Okay. That's a, that's enough of that. This is the third time, believe it or not, that I have sat down and attempted to record this particular episode. I, I know I've talked about in episodes past and I've talked about with Anthony, where if I don't have a good episode, it goes out anyway. I air it anyway, but I just, for whatever reason, I wasn't feeling this episode before. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's just just the way that it was the, the last time that I tried to record this. Or maybe it's the subject material. Maybe the Eternals is striking me the wrong way as it is apparently striking so many already. Even though the movie had not been released yet. Today is the release date. I guess yesterday, if this is the Friday show, yesterday would be Thursday and they have the the late night Thursday release. So I can't even tell you how good that was or not because I'm recording this before that. There was a time many moons ago, many ages ago that I made an MCU primer for all of the 2021 Marvel MCU shows. And my intention was to do that for all of those very esoteric and strange and kind of not off brand, but B list heroes that we were going to get in the MCU this year to include Shang-Chi, to include, um, you know, Loki, Hawkeye, kind of what their comic book origins were, where they came from, and maybe some of the things that we could expect from them in their new movies and, and Disney Plus shows my intention fell completely. Like I did it for all of the MCU shows. I did it in one episode. It was an MCU primer. If you go back in our catalog, gosh, I don't even know when it, when it was, it was probably in the early hundreds before we started doing this ridiculous, unattainable, impossible schedule of five episodes a week. But I fell through. And I did not do it for Shang-Chi. I did not do it for Black Widow. But I decided to bring it back and talk about the Eternals a little bit. Because they are they are just as, you know, not mainstream heroes as the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, were when they came out and, and did their movie. So I'm going to introduce you to all ten of the Eternals. We're going to talk a little bit as well uh, of their comic book origins and kind of what their their power sets are going to be in the movie. So very quickly, I'm just going to go through all 10 of these Eternals. Uh, so the first one is Cersei, played by Gemma Chan. She can manipulate non-sentient matter. She's dating uh, a character named Dane Whitman, who is played by Kit Harrington in the movie. And he is later going to be the Black Knight. Now, I'm not going to be talking about the Black Knight on this particular episode, um, maybe in another episode later. This is going to focus mostly on the Eternals. And the neat thing about the Eternals, at least the way that they are written in the comics, 
by the way, I haven't read all of these comics. If you have been around the Culture Jack podcast for a while and you've listened to me talk about my relationship with these superhero movies, it mostly is around me wanting to know more about them and going on to the wikis and the fan pages. And so all of this information I actually pulled from an article from EW.com and also uh, a bunch of different wiki entries for Marvel.Fandom.com. So anyway, uh, the cool thing about these characters and the way that they're written is they are written into actual history. And so Cersei, for example, she encountered Odysseus during the events of Homer's Odyssey and turned his companions into pigs and back again, if you remember that. So this, they retconned into her being that actual Cersei from that uh, from that poem. In Rome, she was there during Nero's burning of the city. She met Attila the Hun, and she was one of the founders of the Illuminati. Now, not the notorious... I say real life, but, you know, that's whether you believe there is a controlling agency that that rises above all other world powers and and puppeteers is the puppet master for the elites and the leaders of the globe. If you believe that or not, um, this is the comic book Illuminati. And I've talked about it before on the show with Professor X and the Black Panther and Namor. And I think Doctor Strange was part of it as well, as well as Reed Richards. Uh, no, she was one of the founders of that uh, particular group. She was an Avenger for a little bit, and she was placed in a soul bond with Black Knight because the Eternals thought she was going uh, crazy. Apparently, there's this disease that you can have from being an immortal being where you just live too long and you go a little bit crazy. And so what the Eternals do for people that have this affliction is they take them back and by ritual, they kill them because it is a, um, a uncurable disease. So in order to avoid that fate, she soul bonded with Black Knight, which kind of pissed off uh, Icarus, her on-again, off-again lover, uh, another immortal played by Richard Madden. What else happened to her in the comics? Um, so Dane Whitman uh, is the Black Knight. There was an alternate universe version of him called Proctor who jumped from universe to universe who was kind of stalking Cersei and killing different versions of her across different different dimensions. Uh, the next one is Icarus played by, like I said, Richard Madden. He's the one that you saw in the previews that can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes. He historically in the comics guided a human arc to a mountain during the flood of what in the comics was called the great cataclysm. Uh, and this same great cataclysm sank Atlantis. Uh, but he guided this arc to a mountaintop so the people, the, the humans, could restart their society. He watched Hercules defend the city of Lerna from the Hydra. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci made a sculpture of this man. He, he was wed. And he had a son who he also named Icarus. But then he was off defending another part of the world. His wife became bereft and she she died or she killed herself. I can't recall. But the son made a pair of flying wings to go find his father somewhere in the world. He flew too high in the atmosphere and he crashed down to earth and died. Uh, Icarus late, later finding him. 
He also helped fight against Thanos, and at one point he teamed up with the West Coast Avengers as well. Then there's Kingo, played by uh, Kumal Nanjiani, uh, who's a very funny actor from Silicon Valley. And he was one that had most people uh, talking about this movie as he got into that, you know, Marvel superhero physique that he got into. There were all those shirtless pictures of him floating around on the Internet. And he got a lot of praise, too, for how he reacted to people's reaction of him being shirtless and very muscular and built. Now, he said, hey, look, man, I got the Marvel treatment. I got the best uh, trainers. I got the best dietitians. I got the best workout regimes, uh, the, the time, the equipment. Like, this was not something that is very easy to do. It's very difficult, and I had all the help in the world. So he got a lot of praise for kind of uh, shooting down maybe unrealistic body expectations people might have. You know, just based on him him and all the rest of these movie stars getting in incredible shape. But he can manipulate matter with his hands. As you saw in the previews and the trailers, he was using his finger guns, essentially. And in the, in the movie, supposedly, he is a Bollywood star. Uh, and he does a, a huge dance number, which he was very excited to, uh, you know, share an incredible part of Indian heritage uh, with a, a standard... American audience. So he was very excited about sharing that heritage. But in the comics, Kingo was actually a Japanese man, uh, or at least that was where the Eternal found himself was in Japan. He fought against the son of Genghis Khan. He was active in Japan and learned the way of the samurai. And he uh, kind of like the Kingo from the movie that's coming up became a Japanese action film star. And in the comics, he didn't like to use his powers. He liked to fight like a like a samurai. Well, we see Kingo using his power, so either that's not a particular trait that has been adapted for uh, for this movie, or it is. Um, wait, hold on. Before I continue, I've gone through three characters so far. I guess I should have said that there's maybe potential spoilers for the movie here, because I I don't know what level you guys are going into this with. So I'm going to put spoilers in the description. So hopefully you spotted that if you wanted to go into this movie completely blind, though, if you did want to go into this movie completely blind, it's kind of a curious uh, thing for you to do to click on anything on the internet that has Eternals in it, especially on today, the release date of Eternals. And so you might've already seen Eternals at this point and you could go, yeah, that's exactly how it went in the movie. Or no, they did they did nothing like that. Oh, one of the cool things about Kingo, at least the movie version of him, is supposedly has been acting as a Bollywood star for three different generations. And one of the things the Eternals do, because they live throughout time and they're not to interfere in the the in the uh, <laughs> in the matters of humanity is they've disguised themselves and they've stayed under the radar, but he's uh, he's an actual film star. He played as his uh, own grandfather, and then he played as his own father, and now he's playing as himself. So he is just basically pretending to be a, a intergenerational Bollywood actor, which I think is such a funny idea, and I hope it plays out really interestingly in the movie. I hope it... Hope it has a, a good scene where someone confronts him. I'll be like, Oh yeah, I watched your father. I watched your grandfather back when he did this, you know, when, when that was all coming 
coming to fruition. It was like the height of the Bollywood, the Bollywood film. Okay, the next Eternal is Sprite. Now, all of these characters live forever. Essentially, they were created by beings called the Celestials, and we've seen some remnants of the Celestials in like the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. There was the head of the Celestial called Nowhere, where the Collector lived, where uh, the Guardians had to go to attempt to sell the Power Stone, and then in Avengers Infinity War, they had to go there to attempt to retrieve the stone uh, before Thanos could get a hold of it. I believe they were after the Aether. Yes, yes, the reality stone, the red one that was kind of like a ghost sprite, I think, before they decided they wanted to... Uh, before they wanted to do the Infinity Saga back in Thor, A Dark World, when they were just like, this is some this is some weird red shit. So anyway, Sprite, played by Leah McHugh, has the powers of illusion, and she is a child. And so I think it'll be neat to see if these characters go beyond this movie, which you have to expect many of them will. Otherwise, why introduce them as eternal, immortal characters? How they are going to continue with a child into the future. As a child will obviously, their aging will be more noticeable than the adults already. So Sprite, has pranked humans for centuries and used to go by the alias of Puck. For those familiar, if Puck sounds familiar to you, uh, that is the character that Shakespeare used in his Midsummer's Night Dream. And Puck, this Puck, this sprite, was actually the person that inspired that character to Shakespeare. She also inspired Peter Pan by levitating in front of the author J.M. Barry in 1901 in Hyde Park. Uh, she died and was resurrected as a female. So in the comics, Sprite was a male, and then there was a mass suicide event for the Eternals in the comics, and they were brought back. They were resurrected and Sprite was resurrected as a female. Now, I don't know how recently that happened in the comics, if that is something that happened in the comics due to this movie coming out and the casting that they have they chosen for this movie, or if it was something, something before that. The next one is Fastos, played by Brian Tyree Henry. He's like an inventor and a super genius. He is, uh, I think he is the first openly gay superhero. So the first representation of LGBTQ in Marvel movies, we did have Loki confirm that he was bisexual in the Loki series. Uh, but I think this will be a first, at least that's, you know, not just uh, not, not just the fandom talking behind and and jumping to the conclusion of this, that or the other. He has a husband and a family and a child. Um, he's a weaponsmith. He was mistaken for the Olympian god Hephaestus during ancient Greece. Uh, to fight Apocalypse, he did adopt a hero named uh, Ceasefire. It'll be interesting if we ever see Apocalypse in the MCU. I mean, with the way that he was portrayed in that movie, the X-Men movies in general were not good, but that one was a very specific disgrace on the, on the X-Men name. He was the first to be resurrected after the Eternals mass suicide. 
And after that resurrection, he accidentally teleported his fellow Eternals across the world. Now, there is so much lore to these particular characters, and I don't know how much will be adopted in this movie, and I don't honestly know how much can be adopted in this movie. Obviously, it feels like there is enough enough content here to make a good motion picture, but it almost feels like there is too much. And some early reviews of the movie have said that this movie is great, it's a very different kind of Marvel movie, but it is also very dense. And so reading the subtext there, you think very dense. It is, it's something that uh, has a lot of exposition. There's a lot of lore. There's a lot of story. There's a lot of introductions and maybe firsts in the Marvel universe. I am very excited on how this is going to impact the rest of the MCU because really, we don't need them to have an impact up to current MCU because they were staying hidden. The only job they were tasked with from the Celestials was to protect the world from the Deviants. And I hope we get better Deviants than just the, the beastie creatures that we've seen in the trailer, like actual humanoid-style people because, well, shoot, there's some... There's some real deviant-like behavior with the uh, with the Eternals. When we get to when we get to Athena, we'll we'll talk about some deviant behavior. Uh, the next one is Makari, played by Lauren Ridloff. Uh, she has super speed. Uh, she was the deaf actress and character from The Walking Dead, uh, and so this I think is a, maybe another first in a Marvel movie. I know Hawkeye though I don't know it's been represented too much in the movies thus far, is hearing impaired. In the comics, I believe he has a hearing aid, at least in one of his ears. Uh, but this, uh, another first, uh, a deaf superhero. Uh, I really enjoyed her in The Walking Dead. I can't remember her character's name, but she's just got a very calming face. And I don't know, I don't know if... Her face, the reason I associate that is because in The Walking Dead, I guess spoilers for The Walking Dead a little bit too here, in The Walking Dead, she had a, a young counterpart or sidekick who she was taking care of. And oftentimes she was reassuring this younger character, you know, everything's going to be all right. And then later on, the younger character started to experience, it must have been her sister, started to experience deafness as well. So maybe that's why I associate her with kind of a, a calming visage. Um, all right. So she also went under different pseudonyms and aliases through time. She was once as Thoth taught the Egyptians how to write, uh, often confused for the Olympian God Hermes studied under Plato uh, and confused with the God Mercury served as a charioteer for the Persian King Darius in the sixth century and was present during the, the, the Vlad, uh, the empire impaler raid. <laughs> Whoa, that was, let me try that again. If everyone can just sit back and hold on. Did I mention that I have to I have to go to the bathroom very bad? Like I filled up on water before I did this. Like I chugged a whole cup of water and I was like, okay, since you had so much trouble recording this before, what you're going to do is you're going to drink this water. So you have to pee really bad. And then as your bladder fills to capacity, 
and then pops the seams on the edge and you just are are this close to wetting in your seat, you will be under such intense pressure that no doubt you will be able to perform excellently to deliver this podcast. Now, whether that's been true up to this point or not, I don't know and I couldn't I couldn't tell you. So let me try that again. She was present during the reign of Vlad the Impaler and Later on, she witnessed the Battle of the Alamo. She also met Elvis, but she did take on a hero mantle uh, called Hurricane and became best friends with the Avenger Quasar. So it's neat to see kind of these comic book relationships appear, well, not appear in the movies yet. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. Maybe you have. You tell you tell me. Because if we see these relationships that these characters have in the comics, then that makes it all the more likely that we're going to be introduced to other new characters uh, in the in the movies. Which, I mean, is not a pressing issue right now because Makari in this movie is a new character her, herself. I'm, I'm very excited to see what she can do. She also swapped sexes after the resurrection. Um, she was trying to bring back a celestial called the dreaming celestial. And when she did that, she lost her speech, her hearing and her telepathic abilities. So how much of the origin stories of these individual eternals are we going to get? I don't know. The next one is Druig played by Barry, uh, Keoghan. He has thought manipulation as a power. He is Icarus's cousin but he is very power hungry. He marched with the Mongols against Kingo in the past, was an agent of Russia's KGB, and he's kind of a bad guy. He contained the Dreaming Celestial, and he also offered to help Thanos in his fight against the Eternals. So this guy may be one of the antagonists in the movie, I don't know if he's going to be a turncoat, if he's going to already have been a bad guy, or if they are going to retcon him and make him kind of just one of the Eternals, make him a good guy. But keep an eye on Druig. I would imagine he is a safe bet for being at least one of the antagonists of the show. Then we have Gilgamesh, played by Don Lee. He's very strong. He is the the protector of Thena. Uh, he was the actual biblical Gilgamesh. He was king of Uruk in Sumeria in 3000 BC. He was often mistaken as, and then known as, Samson and Hercules. He, he also at one point took Atlas's burden on his shoulders. As you know, Atlas held the, the, the world on his shoulders. He befriended Achilles. He helped found the Roman Empire. He was also, at one point later on, on Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. He was also an Avenger for a little bit, and he fought Thanos when he was resurrected. The same fight in which Druig uh, was assisting Thanos. So, he befriended Achilles. We know that we are getting gods, we know that we are getting Greek gods specifically in Thor, Love and Thunder because who was it? Russell Crowe was cast as Zeus, right? So we know that we're going to be getting a Zeus character. We know that Hercules is a character in Marvel canon. So it, it makes me very excited 
to see these characters with relationships to other characters that we think we may be getting that are also tangentially related to characters that we already have. So it's just, it's blowing my mind and I hope the movie does as, as much as well. Uh, so then we get Ajak played by Selma Hayek. She's basically the Eternals leader. Wait a second. I thought Cersei was the Eternals leader. No, it must be Ajak. So she has the ability to heal. I don't know if that's to heal herself, a la Wolverine and his healing ability, or if that is the ability to heal others. She was also swamped from female to male after, after his resurrection. So Ajak in the comics was a female first and then swapped to a male after resurrection. Uh, and she fought in the Trojan War in Central America Aztecs. Um, in Central America, the Aztecs thought that she was Quetzalcoatl and she battled Thor and Zeus. And then finally, we have the very last Eternal, and that's Angelina Jolie playing Thena, who can manifest weapons. Now, like I said, Gilgamesh is a is a strong protector of Thena. And in the movie, it's been reported that Thena is off kind of on her own, just being protected by Gilgamesh. She kind of went her own went her own way. But she can manifest these weapons. And in the comics, she was known as Azura. And this is where we get the deviant behavior that I was talking about earlier. She began a relationship with the deviant named Crow for a hundred uh, or a hundred thousand years ago. She began this relationship. She also, after she was scolded for taking uh, Crow as a lover, she took several other deviant lovers as well. She met Olympian gods and became like a, a, a ambassador. Uh, to Earth for these Olympian gods. And later she hooked back up with with Crow and had twins. And so if this is why I want the Deviants, because the Deviants in the comics were humanoid creatures, or at least some of them were. And Thanos, I believe, and I talked with Anthony about this, and he's like, these aren't the comics, man. And I'm like, I, I know, I understand that, but we do have Deviants. And it would be such a disservice if we took away the ability or at least the potential to adapt some of these comic storylines later. I'm very excited. Either way, this this movie is going to have so much world building in it. It's going to be like and not to mention just the impacts that it's going to have on today's MCU, because this is going to tell the story of the Eternals and then it's going to plop them in modern day after the snap. And it's going to say what they're up to now, because the snap had such a reverberation and had such an impact on the world that it brought the deviants out of slumber. And now they have to protect the world again, or there's a great rec reckoning or cataclysm coming or something. Just the fact that these are immortal Eternals that have lived throughout time. We have the potential later for sequels and other movies to explore pre-Captain America MCU Earth. I mean, it's it's such a cool thing to think about. Not to mention, this is introducing the Celestials. So we are we are getting to like we were at a cosmic level already with some of the Doctor Strange stuff, with the Guardian stuff. We are getting to a level where before the MCU movies 
always were grounded in some sense of reality. Even if it was a reality that was completely overblown, there was some fake science that was put behind it and, and whatever else that made it kind of believable. But now we're getting out there. We're getting into that real good comic book shit. And it's going to be so amazing. I cannot wait. What caused them to intervene? So it was the snap, right? And then this, this thing that is happening because of the impact of that snap. Now, this was directed by Chloe Zhao, and she won an Academy Award for Best Picture for Nomadland. She won Best Directing for Nomadland, and she also won 20 other awards for Nomadland. Let that sink in. She is a, she is a primo director. Now, I haven't seen Nomadland, but apparently it's pretty good. It won a lot of awards. And so with that being said, I know this movie is not terrible. I, I, I haven't met an MCU movie that is terrible. It has already been attacked on Rotten Tomatoes. It is now standing. Well, I, I say now, but this is uh, the, the time I'm recording. This is a few days before the Eternals comes out. It is now the lowest rated MCU film standing at 63%. And that could drop even lower. So people are actively going to review bomb this movie. This isn't the first time that we've had people go and review bomb a movie, especially a Marvel movie. I mean, Black Panther, when it came out. Captain Marvel, Bridgerton, which is insanely popular because it had cast a black lead, Masters of the Universe, they thought that that was too PC, too woke, or whatever it is, and I maintain, if you have not seen the Masters of the Universe Part 2 trailer, you will take back, (laughs) you will take back those very sentiments, because He-Man is back with a vengeance. The Suicide Squad was also review bombed the James Gunn Suicide Squad, which was amazing. It didn't do as well as it could have done, obviously, because it was released in tandem on the streaming service HBO Max as well. But it was review bombed by fanboys from the the Snyder Cut uh, hashtag, <laughs> which I I have to say I am forever appreciative of those guys and gals for getting the Snyder cut back on the table, but they wanted to see a continued Snyder and air universe. And so they review bombed the suicide squad. So why now is the Eternals getting review bombed? This is going to hurt some, hurt some feelings out there. Uh, how do I say this? The fan base for Marvel and comics in general is historically very, very one-toned and very, very, uh, it's of a certain hormone set. There's a bunch of white dudes, essentially, right? And we've had the reign over this, over this comic book fandom for so long. And there has been directors and writers and artists that have come out and said, hey, look, if you make any changes to these characters that are not satisfactorily received within this group, you're going to have a lot of pushback. You're going to have people call for boycotts and cancellation and everything else. And so this movie, it, it comes as very little surprise that it has been review bombed before it has even been released in the States. Uh, it is a very diverse cast. 
This is not your standard Marvel fare. This is not uh, Robert Downey Jr. This is not Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt, Mark Ruffalo, Jeremy Renner, or any of the other white guys that have been running the show for a long time. Uh, and it's it strikes me as funny because the same people that are always constantly complaining about cancel culture are trying to cancel this movie. <laughs> they are they are saying, how dare you be so woke? How dare you be so diverse? How dare you have a gay couple with a child in this movie? Uh, so it was recently confirmed that we see Marvel's first gay kiss in Eternals. And with that news has come a boycott. The group known as One Million Moms has taken to their website to post a warning about the upcoming film. <clears throat> so this is, this is <laughs> at least from what I'm sensing from this group, and I know nothing about them. They could be a real philanthropic, real uh, charitable group. Uh, but to me, it strikes of that real Karen energy that we find on those, <laughs> on those cell phone recordings we've seen on the internet so much in the last two years. Uh, okay, I'm going to do my best Karen here. Warning, an upcoming Marvel Studios will include a homosexual superhero and a same-sex kiss in the film The Eternals. Set to hit theaters on November 6th, One Million Moms needs your help to make sure as many people as possible are aware of the Marvel pushing the LGBTQ agenda on families in the upcoming studio or upcoming superhero movie The Eternals, which will be distributed by Walt Disney Studios. So there's also an option on the website uh, to, quote, take action. And it says, at the time of this writing, a little over 14,000 people have taken action with a message to Marvel reading. To Marvel from One Million Moms, I do not agree with the LGBTQ agenda that you are pushing on families in the upcoming movie, The Eternals. Unless Marvel removes the gay superhero and same-sex kiss, my family will not come watch this film. I will urge all my friends to do the same. Marvel has left conservatives no other choice but to avoid the Eternals. So like I said, I haven't met a bad Marvel movie yet. Is there? Is that to say that I haven't, you know, like some of them weren't as great as others? Captain of Marvel, which is, is incredibly lauded as being, not lauded, that's the wrong word. Uh, it's incredibly... Uh, railed against as being terrible and super woke. The only thing, it it wasn't a great movie. They the the way they depicted the scrolls was the worst part of that movie. Honestly, in the comic books, the scrolls were this devious, shape shifting race, and here they they were just you know some some poor bystanders, and I didn't like that. I I wanted to see. Uh, it's not Secret Wars, it's Secret Invasion. I wanted to see that, and we may get that yet, but uh, the other one, Thor of the Dark World, yeah, it wasn't my favorite, but it still had some incredible action set pieces, some really good character development, and another set piece to set up for Avengers Infinity War. So I think this is going to be much the same, even if it is a bad movie, which, like I said, it probably is not because it is directed by this incredible award-winning director. I mean, we'll see. 
There's also a, a sex scene in this movie, and people are saying that it's really bad as well. So that could be that could be an issue as well. I mean, we'll see. And it's also not being released in China. Now, that maybe isn't such a huge thing. Shang-Chi was not released in China as well, and it did all right. I think at the time of this recording, it's up over $400 million global, which isn't great for an MCU movie, but it is great for an MCU movie that's released during a pandemic. So maybe it won't affect it too much. But this movie's not being released in China as well, uh, not just because of the same-sex couple, but Chloe Zhao actually was very critical of Chinese propaganda. Uh, so here's a excerpt from the article. In an interview with Filmmaker Magazine back in 2013, Zhao described her teenage years in China and used a few choice words to describe the political situation. She said, It goes back to when I was a teenager in China, being in a place where there are lies everywhere. You felt like you were never going to be able to get out. A lot of info I received when I was younger was not true, and I became very rebellious toward my family and my background. I went to England suddenly and, and relearned my history. Studying political science in a liberal arts college was a way for me to figure out what is real. Arm yourself with information and then challenge that too. So because of that statement that she made back in 2013, essentially the film is not going to be released in China. Now, I don't know. I know the Chinese government keeps a very, very tight ship when it comes to the media that enters their country, but maybe uh, people will be able to see it you know, bootleg copy a torrent or something, but I know they've got the great firewall of China as well. So maybe not, maybe the Chinese people aren't going to see it, which if you believe rotten tomatoes is probably, probably good for them. Good, good luck. I, on, on the other hand, am very excited for the expanded lore of the MCU. Anything that builds the world. Like I have said many times, my favorite manga is one piece and the reason that One Piece is my favorite manga of all time is the extensive world building that Ichiro Oda has done in that in that story. I hope it sets up the mutants, this Eternals. I hope because in the comics they were precursors to the mutants and and some of their genetic manipulation caused the mutant gene to actually be born. So we could see some <laughs> maybe little threads, maybe little Easter eggs that sets up the mutants down the road. I, I'm, I'm sure this movie's going to perform fine. I am going to this theater to see it. And in fact, it's Friday today. Well, I know it's not, it's not really, you've seen through my ruse. I recorded this early, but if you're listening to this on the day of release, I'm going to see Eternals today or tomorrow. Friday or Saturday. Ah, opening of a movie, though. It's going to be so many people. Fortunately, the, the theaters in, in my area have taken good precautions to keep people separated and make sure folks are, you know, wearing masks, at least the ones that care about each other. Um, are there going to be implications in this movie for Spider-Man? No way home. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. That's, you know... That's all I'm going to say about Eternals. I think that's that's enough for you to go off of, to have a little bit of background about who the Eternals are, what they're about, and uh, maybe some of the controversies surrounding them so you can form your, 
your own opinions when you go to the movie and get back to us. You can comment, you can uh, leave us a review, you can send us an email. We are at Culture Jacked on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can send us an email, like I said, at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Tomorrow is Saturday, so we've got, on today's episode, I talk about the Squid Game on Netflix. Korea sued Netflix because they had 23 million new subscribers taking up all of South Korea's bandwidth when this show came out. So Squid Game, hugely popular, great show, real interesting twist, maybe faltered a little bit in the third act, but still was really good. I highly recommend it. I've got other things coming out on the OTE. I just saw the movie Colossal released in 2016. I don't know how I missed that one giant monsters and alcoholics so i'm going to be talking about that next week and then i've got something else in the pipe and then i'm going to pass the torch off to anthony and he's going to take over when it comes to hawkeye being released on disney plus near thanksgiving so it's going to be a action-packed bunch of saturdays for the next few weeks so make sure you tune in for that we've got all kinds of shows here on the culture jack podcast this was the friday show like i said we got the ote tomorrow we got the weekend wire on sunday where anthony talks about movie news on monday we have monday madness where he gets to ramble incoherently like i just did on this episode and then on thursday we've got the culture jack news desk where i get to talk to you about video games and the video game industry but that's it for the friday show i hope you all have a wonderful weekend go out and see the eternals let me know what you think cheers <laughs>